When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Eagles fans, this is Mike Kay from NJ Advanced Media. Welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech service where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're discussing the Eagles injury woes, uh, what's going on with Carson Wentz, and previewing the week two matchup versus the Los Angeles Rams. Chris, how are you doing today? Well, Mike, I'm doing well. Uh, had a chance to uh, look the tape. I don't feel as bad as uh, I did back on last on last Sunday, but I think heading into this upcoming matchup against the, against the Rams, it should be a very good game. Yeah, I think these two teams match up pretty well against each other. I think this is going to be a close one either way. But when you look at the grand scheme of things, as I wrote on Monday, the Eagles really can't afford to go 0-2 given their schedule and the way it's shaking out. Um, there's some good teams they're going to play over the next couple of weeks and obviously down the stretch. Um, you know, the Rams are coming off a win against the Cowboys, but they're also coming off a night game on a Sunday. They're going to have to, you know, kind of, well, for one, the Eagles aren't going to have fans in the stands, but they will have the advantage of playing a West Coast team at one o'clock on a Sunday. That said, that advantage hasn't really helped them when they've played the Seahawks or a lot of other teams for that matter. So I don't know how much of an advantage that is, but well, the Eagles will take any break that they can get. Um, and in speaking of breaks, there's a lot of injury updates, as I said before, um, with the potential returns of Lane Johnson and Miles Sanders and maybe even Derek Barnett. You know, the Eagles are going to be in much better shape than they were against Washington. And let's not forget, the Eagles got off to a great start against Washington. It's just the wheels kind of fell off once they got kind of into a game plan that I don't think they necessarily uh, benefited from. Let's put it that way. So, you know, let's start off. Let's talk about Carson Wentz. You know, you played some semi-pro uh, football as a quarterback. You know what the quarterback sees, what the quarterback looks for, how to protect the quarterback, etc., when you watched the tape, what did you see from Carson Wentz? The more and more I looked at it, I saw a guy who, as the game went on, he wasn't settled. I think he once he got hit a couple times, he wasn't really sit, setting and throw, sit, settling down and throwing the ball well and, and setting his feet and following through. I thought that was one thing that he definitely uh, saw. And it doesn't help whenever you see three guys. I think there was one time there was a jailbreak about three or four guys that were right in his face when he was on that sack. It doesn't help you where you constantly see pressure over and over again. And I think that as much as he didn't want to admit admit it, I think he definitely got a little rattled and he started that clock sped up a little bit faster. But there were guys that were open. There, there, there were definitely guys that were leaking open if he just had that extra two seconds to go ahead and watch what, and basically go ahead and set a step and throw, he would definitely would have been fine. But 
I think when you start to get some of these pieces back, especially if the offensive line or even if they adjust how they protect them well, I think uh, I saw a couple stunts that the Redskins, uh, not the rest, excuse me, apologize, the Washington football team did that really crossed up some of the guards and the centers and the guard and uh, Jason Kelsey. I think that once they get that stuff figured out, I think it's going to be all right. The problem is going to be now they're facing a 3-4, which brings in its own different uh, diff- different uh, looks and different adjustments. So as long as the communication continues to improve, as long as Wentz continue- feels more comfortable in that pocket and being able to scan the field to go ahead and find who's open, I think they'll be, I think he'll be okay. Yeah. I think, you know, the problems that I noticed when I did my film review were common problems for Carson Wentz. Uh, yes. The, the offensive line played horribly Yes, he was constantly pressured, but a lot of his issues kind of stemmed from what was going on in training camp. You and I noted several times that he struggled to throw to his left. Both of his interceptions were on his left. Both of them seemed to leave his hand awkwardly uh, as well. He struggled with accuracy. He missed guys high. He missed guys low. He he overthrew guys. He underthrew guys. Uh, He threw behind guys like he's had accuracy issues in the past. And when I say accuracy, I'm not talking about his completion percentage. I'm saying where he's placing the ball, um, whether it's caught or not. And I I think, yes, you can say that he got skittish. I asked him about it. He denied it, but he also took credit for the inaccuracy. Uh, He took credit for some communication issues as well. The biggest issue, though, is holding on to the ball for too long. He refuses to throw the ball away. It's been his issue his entire career. And I think, um, excuse me, I think that he's a guy that um, really needs to be able to understand, have, have awareness, right? There's one thing to have pocket awareness, but there's another thing to have situational awareness. And when you're, it's for, first down and you're struggling and keep on fighting, uh, when there's nobody open or there's pressure in your face, you're not living to see another play potentially because you could fumble. Um, and he did that uh, on one play on, on a first down uh, and surrendered a ball during a comeback attempt. Um, he's a guy who forces it downfield sometimes, and that can lead to interceptions. He's typically very protective of the ball for, from a passing standpoint, but from a pocket standpoint, it's just like he takes these hits and he's, you know, they, he cost them basically an opportunity at a at a cheap field goal, a 40 yard field goal, because he took a 13 yard loss sack. I mean, you can't do that. It's year five. Um, he's got to be more aware of his surroundings. We even saw Daniel Jones throw the ball into the dirt a couple of times the other night. Uh, granted, he also had some major timing issues with being in the pocket for too long. So I think. When we look at Carson Wentz, he's got a lot to learn from week one, and maybe that being on top of his mind will help him in week two as they face the Rams and obviously Aaron Donald, who is a one-man wrecking crew. Uh, as Malik Jackson said today, we're recording Wednesday, uh, you know, he does everything well. He's a guy who can do everything, and he's a guy that can take on multiple blockers. And when we say multiple blockers, we're not just saying two blockers. Sometimes he can take on three. He can take on uh, two inside linemen and then the running back who's either trying to chip or pass pro. And if it gets to that point, he's you're kind of SOL. So um, that's going to be interesting to see, you know, as we talk about Aaron Donald, let's talk about the offensive line. So Lane Johnson practiced on Wednesday in a full capacity. If he's there at right tackle, how much better do you feel about this offensive line, Chris? 
I think it definitely, I feel a lot better when it comes to that. I think that John's, I think it, it brings some normalcy back to that whole entire line. And I think you basically have somebody who can go ahead and who, who basically can use his feet, use his hands comfortably and actually has game field. I know Jack Driscoll, he's played college ball, but being that as his first game last week, I thought that was, I think he may have had a little jitters in there as well too, but. I think Johnson, when you have now your bookends back and you can get that communication back, everybody is pretty much familiar with each other with the exception of Herbig, who may quite possibly be the right guard again, starting again this week against the Rams. I think that for the most part, having four-fifths of your line, knowing each other pretty well, they feel a little bit more comfortable. I think they can go ahead and uh, they just have to iron out some of these things that they that, that were plaguing them last week. and. I said before when it comes to stunt especially when it comes to stunts and uh and blitzes but i feel a lot more comfortable with lane johnson back to not having two first-time starters on the right hand side and instead having a pro bowler in there along with herbig who can i feel johnson can help him herbig out a, a lot just sometimes calming him down sometimes saying hey look for this guy hey look at this i've seen this before watch that i think he'll definitely be able to help out and it'll be a trickle-down thing along the whole entire offensive line. I, I think one thing that stood out to me when rewatching the game is Jason Peters got worked, like worked, uh, by Chase Young, Ryan Kerrigan, Montez Sweat, you name it. Um, that was very disappointing. The guy just got his his pay bump. Uh, and I thought he and Isaac Samalu struggled a lot more than I would have expected uh, granted, Washington has some great pass rushers, but still, it was just, I mean, he both of them were like turnstiles. Uh, he act, Jason Peters was listed on the injury report on Wednesday with a knee injury, and he was limited in practice. I think he'll play, but, I mean, Jason Peters with a nagging injury or a lower body injury is always worrisome. Um, I thought Jack Driscoll played very well for his first game ever at right tackle in the NFL. Um, he had a couple of communication breakdowns, but he had some really, really strong moments. He put Ryan Kerrigan on his stomach on that 55 yard bomb to Rager on the touchdown to Ertz to on the first drive. He basically stonewalled Chase Young one on one. He's a guy that I think has a lot of potential and maybe he's the swing tackle moving forward. I thought Jordan Melata, who came in at right tackle, he played 18 snaps. He played a lot better than I thought when I watched it live. Um, when I rewatched, yeah, he got taken off his feet a little bit. But he kind of held his own. He only allowed one pressure or at least one pressure, according to pro football focus. I'm not, you know, it's it's hard to figure out when you don't know the line calls. But I thought Melotta, given the circumstances, played relatively well. Uh, Doug Peterson, as you mentioned earlier, uh, right to guard is is Nate Herbig's job to lose. Now, I do wonder if they get intrigued by putting Jack Driscoll in at right guard. I thought Driscoll played well. He's extremely athletic. Uh, maybe that's an option. He's got a background playing guard as well. Um, and then, you know, it, I, I think the big deal for this offensive line is getting the running game going, getting that momentum. It's something they really didn't get to do against Washington. And with Miles Sanders practicing in a full capacity on Wednesday, that's good news for not only the running back group, but the offensive line. How do you feel Miles Sanders can change things for the this Eagles offense in week two? Well, I think it's huge when it comes to he there's so many layers that Miles Sanders can go ahead and he asks this offense. Not only obviously as a running back when it comes to finding the gaps or 
making something out of nothing by saying, hey, this hole's nothing's there, the designed hole, so hey, I can bounce this out and has the quickness to do that. One thing I think that is key is that he can go ahead and help with that pass protection. You know, a lot, and that gets lost a lot of times when people talk about the overall uh, protection scheme around for a cor- around a quarterback. And he, uh, everybody thinks that okay, hey, you know what? It's just Jason Kelsey and there's four offensive line mates going ahead and calling. Running backs are in there as well too. They have to go ahead and listen to say, hey, okay, the line's going to pick these these guys up. I know where I have to go in and fill in. I think I thought there was a couple instances last week. Uh, I think Boston Scott had one, and I want to say Clement had one as well too. Actually, both running backs had some trouble picking up uh, picking up blitzes in, in in their coverage. So I think Sanders overall, no, I think he he'll definitely assist in that, and it should be better on that too. And I think, especially when you're looking at the when you're playing the Rams, I think that you go ahead and you see Sanders his ability to catch the ball at the backfield. It's going to be it's going to be key. He can go ahead. Not not only he has decent enough hands go as well too, but he can make a man miss in the open field. And seeing what the Rams did against the Cowboys, I, I definitely feel comfortable knowing that uh, if if he continues to progress the way it looks like it's progressing, Sanders is. I think he can have a big day, even though it's his first game back. So S- Sanders brings so many different dimensions to this offense. He can assist in so many areas, and I think uh, if if his uh, hamstring does hold up and is healed, is is going to be big for the Eagles. Yeah, and I think uh, the Rams' defense, its biggest weakness is linebacker. So getting him matched up against a linebacker could be really fun for the Eagles uh, this Sunday. Um, And then the last major injury update, um, as far as the defensive line, now Brandon Graham has a concussion. He's in the protocol, but he was outside on Wednesday. That's a very good sign. Uh, that he could potentially be cleared in in short order. We'll see how that goes. Concussions are hard to predict. But fellow starter Derek Burnett, who's had a hamstring, uh, he practiced in a full capacity on Wednesday. Uh, Javon Hargrave, who had never practiced in pads as a member of the Eagles, practiced in a limited capacity today, um, or Wednesday, I should say. So that's an encouraging sign. Um, We spoke to uh, Jim Schwartz and Malik Jackson about Josh Sweat, who I think is like the name to watch. I brought this up several times. I really think he's going to be a starter by midseason. Chances are he will probably start this game with Benny Curry going on IR, uh, Brandon Graham potentially not being available, and Derek Barnett working his way back from a hamstring injury. I would imagine that they raise – Joe Osman from the practice squad this week, as well as keep Casey Tuhill active. Um, look, we look at this Rams offensive line. I know you got to watch a little bit of them. Uh, obviously, Andrew Whitworth is a very good left tackle, but I, I think there's some weaknesses inside. I think you can pull off a lot of stunts here and really create some confusion, similarly to how Washington did with the Eagles last week. I also think Josh Sweat's speed is a really good, good matchup and advantage against the aging Whitworth. What what are your thoughts on the defensive front versus this offensive line? I think the pass rush has the potential to actually go ahead and have a little bit more of an impact than it did against Washington. I think the key is going to be is that they they, they do have speed. I'm not worried so much about Brandon Graham, but I'm worried about Josh Sweat being too excited when it comes to playing the Rams. The one thing the Rams love to do is run that – end around that jet sweep motion. And if you don't have a DN that's playing a sound assignment, technical contain on that outside, 
you can go ahead and get first down eight, pick up eight, nine chunk yards or even bigger when it comes to these outside runs. So the main thing is I think the pass rush will be fine. I want to see if they remain disciplined enough to go ahead and keep those running backs, especially I think when I think especially when they run those outside, Malcolm Brown is going to be good and Acres can be good as well too. But I want to make sure they turn it everything back inside in order to make sure to where the help is going to come from when your linebackers, your, your safeties, and everything else. So I think as long as the defensive ends doesn't and not just Sweat, but I think also too Hill if he if he plays as well too. And, Bozeman, if he gets called up, I think all the defensive ends are going to have to do a better job containing. But overall, the pass rush can definitely the ta- the pass rush can definitely be a uh, formidable. So y- you brought up discipline, and I wanted to tell you, look, Zach Ertz has been a major topic of discussion throughout this week. Before we get into our preview of week two or our full on preview, obviously we've been talking about the Rams this entire show. But um, you know, as we reported on Eagles Extra, uh, there was a report over the weekend by NFL Network that Zach Ertz and Howie Roseman got into a bit of an argument in front of players and, and coaches uh, on last week. Uh, I reported on Eagles Extra that it, the, the, the chat wasn't a confrontation. It was actually more of a spirited discussion. It was how it was put to me. I was told that uh, a lot – the – the angst of the conversation seemingly uh, was elevated or, or made it, it this. I'm trying to, to use words that, that can explain this a little bit better, but the gist was that this was more of a conversation about Ertz's feelings following uh, his statement to the public, where he said that, you know, or to the media that he said, you know, he didn't know if it, the feeling was mutual about him retiring in Philadelphia, Howie Roseman, uh, pulled them aside on Thursday. They had a chat. I was told that Doug Peterson and Jeffrey Lurie were involved in that chat and that they all decided to focus on the game uh, for week one. Ertz obviously had a massive drop on fourth down, very uncharacteristic. A lot of fans have kind of rushed to judgment and said that he didn't look like himself. Ertz even admitted during training camp, the contract talks kind of got to him. Um, you know, I'm beginning to lean towards this being Ertz's last season. He said he's going to play like it's his last season. I wouldn't be shocked if it was. Um, I've done a lot of work on kind of what his outlook in a trade would be. I know a lot of people have said, why doesn't Carson Wentz step up and, and you know, kind of t- take the reins and kind of, you know, do something for his best pal. Uh, I spoke to three GMs on Tuesday, former GMs on Tuesday. They said, that that's just not really how it works in the NFL quarterbacks really don't have the clout to just, you know, make demands about other players extensions. So um, Eagles extra, by the way, make sure you sign up for it. You can do that at eagles.com slash text. You can get all of this great information straight to your phone before everybody else gets it on social media. You can also avoid social media if that's not really your thing. But anyway, uh, Chris, I wanted to ask you, what's your, what's your outlook on Ertz this year? Do you think it's time to just give Dallas Goddard the reins or uh, are you just kind of, you know, watching this as it develops? I'm going to watch it as it develops. Although I will say it is kind of funny how, on the Eagles social media, it seems like there's been a lot more Dallas Goddard yes. stuff that has popped up a lot lately, a lot, especially with all this stuff going on. But I think right now, you're if it gets to the point where this team is out of it halfway through the season, 
or it looks like they're going to be out of it, and there there's no way they can get that get that extra playoff spot. I think it's then you go ahead and you start trying to see what you have in Goddard. But as of right now, I think it was just one game. I think he was I think he was kind of I think a little bit distracted, especially seeing that Goddard was getting the targets and, and having the day he was. I think that may have crept into his mind a little bit, but overall I think right now you still have two the best combo of tight ends in the league. Why not use it to see what you got for this one last year? Because if it is the last year, which at first I thought it pay him, but the more and more he's, the signs are on the wall saying, hey, you know what, this they're not going to pay what he's looking for. I think just right now you just have to roll with it and continue to use that 12 personnel, the, the 12 personnel that you have right now in order to use it because you may not have that again for a, a couple two, three, four years for a long time with the caliber of tight ends that you have right now. So I probably would say it's looking like it may be Zach Ertz's last year of Philadelphia, but I don't think, I don't think what we saw last Sunday will be the normal. I think it was a blip, but you could kind of tell us it's starting to become a distraction a little bit, I think. And and when Chris says 12 personnel to explain, I got a bunch of emails asking about this when I did the film breakdown. 12 personnel is not about how many players are on the field. It's how many players of a different personnel group there are. So 12 personnel would be run one running back and two tight ends. 13 personnel would be one running back, three tight ends. 22 personnel would be two tight ends and two running backs. Uh, you know, the normal 11 personnel is one running back and one tight end. So, if that helps you, if you if you're if you want a little bit more X's and O's explanation, that's that's what we're talking about. Um, you know, I was talking to former Bills GM uh, Doug Whaley the other day, and he said that you know Ertz could potentially net a late first round pick, um, you know, at the trade deadline if a team thinks it's one playmaker away. So that's definitely worth watching and monitoring, especially when you consider that the Eagles or his next team would need to sign him to an extension. So let's get into our preview of the Rams and the Eagles in week two. Um, I think quarterback, it, it, there's no contest there. I definitely think Carson Wentz brings much more heat and talent to the, the table than Jared Goff. Uh, that said, I think Jared Goff might have the better weapons. What says you? I think Carson Wentz definitely has it. And I think I, I, I Oh, how do I put it this way? I think the, that the Eagles have the better weapons, but they weren't utilized as well as they could have been lately. So I think in that aspect, McVay is getting the most out of the talent that he has right now. So the Rams would have the advantage, I think, right now. I think when you look at how he uses Cooper Cup, how he uses Woods, not just in passes, but also in runs and play designs, it's it's almost like when you hear Herman Boone in uh, Remember the Titans says, we, we only run six plays where we're going to do them well. That's why I feel like we were watching the Rams. They, A lot of the same formations, a lot of the same stuff you see over and over again, but they're so disciplined. You hear me talk about that a lot because when I see disciplined teams, the best teams are most disciplined when it comes to their fakes and carrying stuff out and snap little things like that. When you see the discipline they run when it comes to their their motions, when you see their sweeps and everything else, I just think that the the way they're using it and the way they execute it is a lot better than a lot of teams in the NFL right now. And, and to the Eagle and, and for the Eagles reassurance, the one thing that really got swept under the rug in, in this disastrous start to the season was the secondary played relatively well. Uh, 
especially relative to the past four seasons. I thought Darius Slay had a great performance. Avante Maddox looked the part. Mikel Roby Coleman's a huge um, contributor. I think Craven LeBlanc played well in his snaps as, as well. Um, and then I thought Jalen Mills and Rodney McLeod handled theirs. They had one breakdown in, in coverage with uh, Logan Thomas scoring a touchdown in the second quarter. But overall, I think this secondary is up for the task against the Rams wide receivers. What about you? I think so as well, too. I mean, I, you know, teams were going to start to target Avanti Max a little bit more when Slay was going to take away their best receiver. And I got to say this, I was thoroughly impressed with the way Maddox played on Sunday. Uh, when it came to the pass breaks up, he should have had an interception, but that's a whole. He should definitely should have had an interception. If you ask him, he definitely believed that he should have had it as well, too. But I think overall with the way they the way they were able to go ahead and play both not only man-to-man but also zone overall. And barring the slay missed tackle that happened there, I think they, they actually tackled pretty well compared to what we used to see in the last couple of years. So I think there's a sense of optimism when it comes to facing against these Rams receivers. I mean, uh, I think they match up decently against them as well too. And as long as they keep everything in front of them and continue to tackle, continue to tackle on those short – mid-range on those screens and the short range stuff. I think they'll be okay. You brought up earlier, Malcolm Brown and Cam Akers. Uh, They ran wild on, on Dallas. I don't think Dallas has got a very good run defense. Uh, The Eagles historically do, Um, you know, obviously they were set up in their own territory. The Reds, sorry, excuse me. The Washington was set up in, in their, in the Eagles territory quite often due to turnovers and poor play in the second half of last week's game. But I, I think uh, overall the Eagles historically are a very good run defense. I thought Duke Riley and uh, Nathan Gary both played well against the run last week. Um, I think that's where the Eagles are at an advantage. If they can make the Rams one dimensional, the, uh, you know, the window dressing, I guess you could say of what Sean McVay does kind of goes out the window. Obviously Doug Peterson and Jim Schwartz have done very, very well against Sean McVay uh, over the last few years. They didn't play last year, but the first two years, uh, the Eagles won both games on the road. Uh, so I think that's worth noting. I think Schwartz matches up well against what McVay typically wants to do because Schwartz is so run-oriented, or run-stopping or run oriented, I should say. Um, you know, Malik Jackson looked good last week. I thought Fletcher Cox played well. Um, I think this is going to be a really good matchup for the Eagles run defense uh, against the Rams. Akers really isn't a world beater. I know Malcolm Brown had a good game against Dallas, but I really think the Eagles have their, their clear advantage uh, run offense versus run defense when it comes to Philly's defense. What about you? I think, I think they definitely have that as well too. And I'm really going to be, it's going to be really key to see what these linebackers do. This is going to be the the first game they're really going to have, I think, a, a a challenge to go ahead and see if they're up to it. Because not only do you have, as we talked before, you have all these weird motions and shifting and everything else when it comes to that. They're going to have to go ahead and watch that. I think they're going to have to use their speed to get out to the curl of the flats because Rams sure do like to run a lot of screens and counter screens and screens. Like there's, I think I count like about the five, six different versions of screens they ran. Is what it was. It was pretty impressed the way that when it came to the play design. So I think overall, I think they're going to be, the linebackers are going to be important, especially covering that curl flat area. But I think when you look at the def, the run defense itself, as you said right now for, I think the Eagles do have an advantage there. 
I think Malcolm Brown's nice, but nothing to write home about. I think Cam Akers is a decent change of pace back. I think the key is going to be is making sure they don't get sucked into the play-action game as well, too. I mean, if the Rams start to go ahead and establish a run and show, even establish a run even three, four yards at a pop, that's going to open up so much of their other uh, play-action pass game as well, too. So the key is going to be stopping the run early and on first down or first second down stopping around limiting them to i say probably about four yards max on the ground between the two downs to go ahead and, and make it a little bit tougher on golf and force them to put in obvious passing situations now before we close out a big criticism of doug peterson's play calling uh this week was not rolling carson once out of the pocket they're gonna have to do this against aaron donald like he cannot sit in the pocket because he will not be able to step up no matter how good Jason Kelsey is no matter how much Isaac Samalu improves and no matter how much Nate Herbig steps up in week two, they need to roll him out of the pocket. They need to get him throwing on the run uh, and getting him in space because while the Rams edge where ushers are fine, Michael Brockers and Aaron Donald are, are what stirs the drink for that defensive line. Um, you know, uh, Doug Peterson's excuse was that, you know, they weren't doing very well on first down. So they wanted to find other means of, of kind of getting guys open and creating time. But I really think the key to this game is rolling Carson Wentz out of the pocket, getting, you know, getting to the edge uh, of the pass rush and kind of just throwing it down the field. Uh, what, what What's your take on that? The last thing you want to do is, especially when you have a pass rusher to the ability of Aaron Donald is have a quarterback stand in one specific spot and when you have a mobile quarterback in Wentz, you don't you have the ability to do the rollouts. You have the ability to run the whack, stuff like that. And I think for some, I don't know what it is. Some for some quarterbacks, it's just like, hey, you know what? I need to feel in pocket to be great. I've some quarterbacks just need to be on the run, on the run, or rolling out and throwing on the run. Wentz just seems to be one of those guys who doesn't like to be confined inside the pocket. So I think it's going to be key, not not just so much. You don't have to do it every play. You don't have to do it every single thing, but at least give the illusion to go ahead and and roll out. I, pro- I probably roll out away, see see where Donald is, or roll away from him to make him chase him, go across the field to try to go back and chase wins. And I also think it helps out your offensive line too. I think you go ahead and just slide the protection over and just make sure you go ahead and don't have to worry about just constantly just standing in one little area and and absorbing a pass rush and trying to figure out what's going on. The rollout is going to be key and. Especially when you flood, I think when you flood the receiver one side over with the receiver as well too. If you go ahead and roll them out, and you have, say, a Ertz or Goddard coming across the middle of the field, you have a deep option as well too. And say like a Deshaun Jackson who maybe running a post, or maybe you have a Rager running a seam route, and you have somebody else going to come back. You know, like maybe that JJ Ortega Whiteside, you know, who actually still is on the team. Maybe you actually get some stuff going on. So I think I, I hope that. Peterson does call a few more rollout plays to go ahead and just basically save, save Wentz and uh, help out this offense. All right. So to close out, I think we both have the Eagles bouncing back in this one, you know, really quickly, Chris, why do you think the Eagles win this game? Well, I think they're actually learned from, I think they'll actually learn from mistakes and actually control. I think possess the ball a little bit more and like pay more attention to the ground game. I think when they think they actually, they're in, Sean McVay's head a little bit. I think they, they have a good feeling for them. And I think they'll go ahead and uh, control the ball a little bit more when it comes to the ground game. I think they'll take a couple shots over overall. I think uh, the rookie receivers, Rager and Hightower, I know they had a rough couple of days. I think they got the first the jitters out of the system right now. They'll go ahead and contribute a little bit more. 
And as we saw beforehand, when it came to Zach Ertz, I think he's not going to have at that less of a performance. He's actually going to think he'll be the folk, main focal point this week. So I think coupled with all that, with the defense continuing to play at the high level they did, I actually have him winning by a late field goal. So I, you know, all of our fellow beat writers and you predicted a game that scores over a combined 50 points. I just don't see that. I didn't see an explosive Rams offense. Uh, I don't think the Eagles are really in tune enough to, to really put up a ton of points. That said, I, I do have the Eagles winning uh, 20 to 16. I think it's going to be a low scoring affair. And I think it's going to be a grind out sort of uh, Miles Sanders dominant game. Um, it, look, Here's the thing. There's no way the offensive line could be worse than what they were in Washington. There's no way that Zach Ertz could be worse than he was in Washington. There's no way that Carson Wentz really could be worse than he was in Washington. And they only lost really by 10 points. Uh, And frankly, they should have only lost by seven. Uh, So I feel good about the Eagles. I think this is a game they need more than the Rams do. Uh, They really need to bounce back here. The division, if they can win this game, uh, everybody at best unless the Redskins win in week two, will be probably one and one at the end of the weekend or sorry, Washington. Yeah. Uh, it's still, you know, your, your brain's triggered to one, one thing, unfortunately. Um, so apologies, but anyway, um, you know, unless Washington can, 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 you know, carry on their goodness and, and get the type of field position that they got last week, I expect everybody to be one and one in the division, uh, this week, uh, and, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where if the Eagles can stop the run in this game and Jim Schwartz can do what he typically does against Sean McVay, you are going to see this Eagles team bounce back and, and win this one. I think the defense is going to carry the, the offense early on in the season. That's what I thought from the from the beginning. I was shocked at how quickly the Eagles were able to score uh, last week but wasn't shocked that they fell apart down the stretch. I just don't think this offense is going to put up a ton of points in the first few games of the season just because of the rust factor, the injuries, et cetera. But I do see the Eagles bouncing back this week. Uh, For Chris, myself, uh, we are really happy that you guys have been joining us this season. We're going to continue to crank out the great stuff on Eagles Extra, which you can sign up for on uh, nj.com slash text. You can download us wherever podcasts are available. We will see you Sunday, or you'll hear us Sunday uh, in our post-game pod. Hope you guys have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Sunday. 